We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. <laughs> Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, sponsored by DraftKings. It is Thursday, March 22nd. Nick Whalen joined here by James Anderson. Uh, a lot to get to today, James. We have a, a few things to get to at the top, then we'll work into a little bit of NCAA tournament talk, and then we'll get to the worst contracts in the NBA. What, about one or two months ago? Probably two months ago, we did the best contracts in the NBA. And that, that was fun. That was a nice little exercise. But it's a hell of a lot more fun to talk about the bad contracts, to make fun of the GMs that handed out those contracts, to verbally berate the players who are currently playing under those contracts. So we'll get to that in the second half. Um, but first, baseball is almost here. We've been watching a little too much baseball in the office. We watched like a good two hours of a spring training game yesterday. What, what would you rather have on the TV? It was pretty miserable. I don't, I mean, what, NBA TV? It's better than the Olympics, right? Yeah, well, the Olympics are over, right? Yeah, but I mean, I like, in terms of stuff that we have on yeah. in the TVs in the office year-round, I feel like spring training baseball, at worst, is kind of middle of the pack. I guess. I guess. Uh, when does baseball actually start? March 29th, so March 29th. a week from today. And I heard that this year all the teams are playing... On opening day, they're not, yes. they're not playing like a one game a week early in Australia or anything? No, and, and in previous years, they've done like 
a couple games on like a night and then everyone else mm-hmm. plays the next day like yeah they're they're doing it right this year interesting okay uh so i asked you this last night but one who's the favorite to win the world series and two who do you think is going to win the world series this is a baseball podcast now <laughs> the astros are the favorites okay and the yankees are my pick to win the world series Okay, well, now you're officially on the record. I'm not going to give my picks. Okay. Um, I'm not, not educated enough. I'll, I'll go Jeff Bagwell for MVP okay. in the uh, in the NL and uh, Jose Lima for my Cy Young. All right. I mean, I think those are both in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's talk NBA. Um, I want to talk Coach of the Year real quickly. Sure. We've kind of hit on this a few times throughout the year, and I really have no idea right now who the Coach of the Year is. I think – I think Dwayne Casey is probably the front runner right now if you were to take a straw poll. Brad Stevens seemingly had this thing locked up not two months ago, but you know, with Boston falling back, with Toronto looking like it's going to finish first in the East, um, I think it's got to be Casey. Um, there might be a case for Mike D'Antoni, although it's extremely hard to win Coach of the Year in back-to-back years. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like the most improved player of the year right? where – you know, it's rarely actually given to the best coach. It's oftentimes just which team improved the most. Um, so I don't really think Mike D'Antoni, as deserving as he may be, has much of a shot. Outside of Dwayne Casey, like who would you handicap as, you know, options two, three, four, however deep you want to go? Uh, you know, Nate McMillan, Terry Stotts, probably no. in that mix. Two guys we thought for sure would be up there. Well, Stotts has always been right. thought of as like a top ten. I, that was more directed at yeah, McMillan. Yeah, Quinn Snyder. Sure. I think you could definitely make a case for putting Stats and Stats and Snyder in your top three. Uh, I don't. I don't really like the idea of giving it to D'Antoni just because I hate the way that he's managed James Harden's minutes this year, where it's kind of clearly MVP oriented instead of how can we best be prepared for the postseason oriented. Sure. And that's fine. I mean, I get it, but like, I don't. I wouldn't want to reward him for that. Uh, I think Casey is going to win probably by a decent margin. Mm-hmm. I think that he, there's a narrative there where they kind of switched up their style without and got better, and he was able to get two entrenched stars to mm-hmm. to kind of make sacrifices in that regard and kind of change up the way they play a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Snyder and Stotts and Stotts are both uh, very valid candidates as well. You mentioned McMillan in the East. Um, you know, Stevens will still get some votes, I'm sure, just because of, you know, especially the recent injuries they've had and, and how fast they started without Gordon Hayward. Um, Brett Brown? I mean, if the Sixers win 48 games, they have 12 games remaining, and they have the easiest schedule in the NBA. I mean, they could – there's an outside chance if they play everybody, they could get to 50 wins. I don't think that'll happen. Probably somewhere between 47 and 49 um, but they're going to beat the over-under. They're going to be one of the few teams that beats it by you know more than two or three games. Indiana, I think, is already top there, so they're certainly up there. Um, you know, I don't think Brett Brown necessarily gets a ton of the credit for the improvement of this team. You know, I think the Colangelo's will. I think 
Joel Embiid staying healthy, Ben Simmons. Being... I don't think the Colangelo should get any credit. I I have heard some some Colangelo praise <laughs> recently, and the only reason I say that is because of the <laughs> the uh, additions of Bellinelli. Oh wow! And Ilyasova. Oh like, wow! You were able to you were able to get Bellinelli and Ilyasova. Wow, that's that's Colangelo, GMing one hundred and one right there. Right, the Colangelos may have completely <laughs> botched the draft situation, but that's that's awesome. That doesn't count. Um, so yeah, I don't think Brett Brown is a, a, you know an actual serious contender, but he'll get some votes. <laughs> That's about it, though. It's pretty hard to make a case for just about anyone else. I mean, Pop. You could make a case. Like, the case for Stevens and Pop is that we know they're two of the best coaches in the league, if not the two best coaches in the league, and that's pretty much the case. Well, the case for Pop, too, is that right now the Spurs sit, what, two and a half back of second place Portland. They're a half game back of the Thunder for fourth. If they can get to third Mm -hmm. in that roster with Kawhi playing, what, nine games, there's certainly a case to be had there. Do you... I. I feel like we kind of have to ding pop. Like we we obviously don't have any. We really don't have any of the facts because there's just everything gets contradicted from we'll each side. But like, I feel like having this type of a disruption slash distraction surrounding an injury with your best player probably knocks you out. I mean, think about how many years Pop didn't win when he probably should have won. Like, I don't really see any case for him winning this year of all years. No, that's true. He it does seem like he's had stronger narratives in the past yeah. and has come up short. Um, he's won Coach of the Year only three times. That seems criminally low. And you know, I think after he won it for the first time in 0203, you, you know, there was like already voter fatigue despite him only winning it once. Um, but everyone pretty much agrees. Like, it's kind of like been a year in there when he could. Yeah, it's kind of like Steve Nash MVP is just you know uh, criminally low when you when you look back and kind of wonder how he didn't end up with more. More MVPs than Kobe. <laughs> Rightfully so. Um, and also, no coach has won it back-to-back. So we can cross off D'Antoni mm-hmm. officially. Uh, let's talk about the Kawhi situation. We won't spend too much time on this. I'm sure it's going to be covered just about everywhere today. But Woj reported uh, this morning that the Spurs had a players-only meeting. And it sounded like it wasn't anything true, too dramatic. But the wording in the story did imply that you know the Spurs veterans wanted answers, and you know I don't think things got necessarily hostile, but you know there was there was implication that um, you know there were kind of two sides to this argument, obviously. And then shortly after the piece comes out, Danny Green quote tweets Woj and says, you know that's not what happened at all. The Spurs local media kind of seems to back that up. No one's disagreeing that the players only meeting happened, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what exactly. Danny Green is disputing. You know, he didn't expound beyond that that one tweet. Um, but the crux of Woj's story, if you believe it, is that the team believes he can play, and they essentially asked him, like, please cut it out and get back and play with us. And Kawhi basically said no. Mm-hmm. And again, that's un- that's up for debate whether that actually happened, but this is coming from Woj. This isn't coming from some, you know, anonymous guy who, who doesn't break news. Right. I mean, it's probably coming from somebody with something to be gained, someone that has something to gain by giving Woj this story. So I don't really know who that would be, but like Rudy Gay, more minutes in the playoffs. Was it Bertans? Yeah, I mean, it it was probably Davis Bertans that that leaked the story to Woj. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's so hard to have any take on it because you just don't know what the truth is like i i totally believe that it's 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 
both possible that Kawhi Leonard could be playing right now and possible that he has valid reasons not to be playing. Like, just because you can play doesn't necessarily mean you should play if you're thinking about your long-term future. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to get a max deal. I'm sure that he's putting getting that max deal ahead of trying to push this Spurs team to the three seed. Yeah, I. it would be interesting if this was, or even more interesting, I guess, if this was anyone but Kawhi. Like, most guys by now would have said something, you know, whether it was on Twitter, whether it was mm-hmm. on Instagram, whether it was in the media, whether it was in an actual interview. Like, the fact that it's Kawhi at the center of the story means that we're just not getting anything from his perspective, which I think has has clouded it even more than, than it already would have been either way. Um, but we're getting to the point now with what, how many games do the Spurs have left? 10 you know like at what point do you draw the line i guess Kawhi is the type of player you know it's not like a fault situation where Kawhi is experienced enough that he could come back in the playoffs and it wouldn't be like throwing him into the fire too quickly whereas like if Fultz doesn't come back before the end of the regular season it's really hard to imagine the sixers tossing him in there in round one of the playoffs um but it's also like he didn't look good when he was back earlier this year and it it kind of i i think it matters from that a team context because it's not this isn't like you know the OKC Thunder or um some other poorly coached team where you have like all this ISO sets and like right. it's super easy to just run the same stuff you've always run like the Spurs rely a lot on just cohesiveness like quick passes quick decisions and throwing a guy that's gonna immediately become the highest usage player on the team into that mix to me, that takes yeah. like a good two weeks worth of games to kind of start to gel. Like, I think that depending on what, like, if if you're telling me, sure, they get Kawhi at 100% health, like peak physical ability Kawhi with no games before the postseason, then sure, that would be like an upgrade. But if they're only getting like Kawhi at 85%, I think you could make a case that that wouldn't necessarily help them if he's if he doesn't have enough time to kind of get into the flow of things before the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think it's mostly because it's the Spurs. Like almost any other team, like OKC, like you mentioned, you know, like you would just throw Kawhi in. Like no matter what, even eighty-five percent Kawhi, you want him out there. But with the Spurs and the, and the system that they have, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that Rudy Gay is like a better option than eighty-five percent Kawhi, but he can do a pretty decent impression, and it's not gonna mess up, you know, your rotations. It's not gonna mess up the way you play when you're on the court. Um, and it, they, they kind of have this thing going where I know that they haven't played as well, like after the all-star break, but like with, they're getting like this awesome season from Loracus Aldridge because Kawhi's not playing. Like if you like introducing Kawhi in probably takes away right. some of Aldridge's effectiveness. And right now it's working because you have Aldridge as kind of the lone kind of iso player and every other guy just doesn't give a crap about shots touches like anything like that so it, it kind of works in this weird way where it it might just kind of get messed up if he came back no i think you're completely right on that um the only thing is without Kawhi, the ceiling for this team is different you know i, oh, I don't yeah. think they're winning the title either way but the argument for like if, if Kawhi said to them Let's say it's let's say they're in round one against OKC. It's two two, and Kawhi says, "All right, I'll come back for game five. That team's not going to say like, "No thanks." You know, we'd rather we'd rather just keep doing what we're doing, because when you have Kawhi, all of a sudden 
you're a threat to to go to the conference finals. Without Kawhi, this is still a team nobody wants to play. They're still a team that's not going to get swept by one of the good teams. Um, you know, just just because of how deep they are and how disciplined they are. But at the same time, you're not getting to where you ultimately want to get unless Kawhi is on the floor. Right. So I don't know. I have no info on this. Really, no one does. It's just getting more and more bizarre. Yeah. I mean, if you and I don't have any right. info, then it's like you know. Yeah, I didn't want to phrase it like that, yeah. but exactly. If we don't have info, then certainly no one else is yeah. going to. Uh, let's talk tournament real quickly. This time last week, we were, you know, talking about how many great prospects are in this tournament and how exciting it's going to be to watch them and how great it would be to get Bagley versus Aiton in the title game. Uh, we have, what, three lottery prospects left? Two of them are with Duke. One of them's with Villanova. Um, disappointing. I mean, disappointing. I think you – I honestly think Shea Gilgis-Alexander has a shot to go in the lottery, oh, yeah, okay, and Kevin Knox it. probably does too. Oh, yeah. Both of those guys do. I mean, the way Hamadou Diallo played last weekend, <laughs> he's back. Yeah, I mean, he might go top ten. He heard, uh, he heard you talking. He, was, he heard me talking junk, and he went out there and he messed up. that lefty window. Yeah, and messed up my bracket. So, yeah, the game's tonight. Loyola, Nevada, no real NBA prospects. A&M, Michigan. Robert Williams has has helped himself. He's on the short list of guys who he's probably played his way at least into back end of the lottery consideration after just kind of a super quiet sophomore regular season, but he looked good. K-State, Kentucky, you know, you mentioned the the two Kentucky guys plus Diallo. You know, some of those mm-hmm. some of the bigs are going to get looks, but you know, it's it's going to be not a scowl type of situation with those guys, but none, none of those guys are going to be top five picks, whether they no. come back or leave. Um, and then Florida State, Gonzaga. Florida State has some guys. Gonzaga has some guys. I don't know if you've watched uh, Hachimura. Yeah, Gonzaga. I like him. I like him a lot, too. He's, he seems like one of your type of guys. Yeah, kind of he that is. Ananobi yeah. mold. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's talented. He's skilled offensively. I like him. He's uh, someone that I would love for a team to take at, like, 25 and just no expectations. Hopefully, it turns out he could. I mean, I don't think he's you know, his ceiling is not like sky high as a defender. It probably is as an offensive player. He's still pretty raw, uh, but he's also someone that could get taken twenty seventh and be out of the league in three years. One of the guys. So I didn't. I watched so little college hoops this year that I couldn't even have told you like a, a full my guys lineup before I the tournament. How little college? <laughs> but uh, since the tournament, I have. Uh, established a couple of my guys, one of them being Terrence Mann, Florida State. I'm a fan. Okay. I don't think, I don't know if he's going to play the NBA, but I, I like Terrence Mann. Sure. Um, I took, I really took a liking to that John Petty fella from who's, Alabama. Who is the guy? Uh, hmm. Keep talking. Let me just look something up. Who's that guy that EB, uh, EC Matthews. EC Matthews. Yeah. yeah. Um, definite my Rhode guy. Island. Yep. 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 Um. Yeah, I mean, we never really actually established our full My Guys teams before the year, which I think, if anything, does speak to how little <laughs> we knew about the non-lottery <laughs> prospects coming into this season. Although I will say this year especially, I think even for people who really follow the ins and outs of college basketball, not just for lottery purposes, there was just so much turnover. I think they lost a lot of big names over the last couple of years and you know, even even the one seeds, you know, Villanova had some some recognizable names, but like it's not like McCall Bridges was a household name coming into the year. And I think most people would have known Jalen Brunson over him. Yeah, I mean, I, McCall Bridges was definitely on our radar just because 
of his size, position, shooting ability last year. Uh, I mean, I I like him a lot. I think that he's, you know, he's kind of a really nice guy to get kind of in that sort of, what, 7 to 13 range. I don't know if he could get any higher than that. Probably not. But I mean, like, He's as safe as it gets. Yeah. I, his, he, his draft slot's going to reflect that. He's it, 22 in August. It's just so easy. It, it's so easy to in uh, – integrate him into any offense and he's versatile defensively i mean just kind of a perfect guy if for whatever reason you're picking in the lottery but also have a chance to be Mm -hmm. pretty competitive in in 2019 so the ringers draft guide um which is excellent and you should check out has the three comparisons for mccall bridges as rodney hood kent Bazemore, tony snell and those are all they're kind of meant to be not like best case, worst case, but just like, you know, these these are different variations of what he could end up being. I think I think he could end up being probably better than at least Tony Snell. I feel like Tony Snell is the one that is the most apt just based on style of play, but I also think it's yeah. kind of his realistic floor. I think he had he is a better all around player than the current iteration of Tony Snell. Like could could McCall Bridges be like a Gary Harris type of impact? Uh bigger than Harris. Maybe I I think I think he's a guy that you want off ball mostly, so that's yeah. kind of Gary Harris. Uh, like I don't like the Hood one because like Hood to me is a pretty like one on one scorer, but like not that efficient and like I've not been impressed. Super overrated defender. Yeah. Uh, Bridges I think is a is a good defender. Bridges can guard ones and he can guard twos, and uh, that's. I mean, can Snell guard ones? Like, maybe crappy yeah, ones? You don't yeah. want him guarding yeah. one. Like, he can switch out onto ones, but you're yeah. not going to put him on a one. Uh, I mean, I get it. I get those comps. It's fine. Uh, mm. I think he he's one of those guys where it depends on the situation. Like, you definitely don't want him going to a really bad team because it just – his skill – he's one of those guys where his skills kind of show more and more the better players he's playing mm. with. Yeah, no, that's all fair. Um, so we do have – we get Bagley and Carter against Syracuse um, on Friday night. That's the 9.37 Eastern time start. Really, I mean, Bridges plays on Friday as well. You, know, you got Javon Carter, Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, Svee. Like a lot, a lot of late first, mostly second-round prospects will be in action. But for the most part, the big names got knocked out, which was very disappointing. How would you rank Bagley, Carter, Bridges? Hmm. I think, I mean, like in terms of where they'll get drafted. No, and where where you where would you draft them? I think I would. I think I would go in that order. Bagley. I like Carter, Carter a lot. I, I yeah. I like Carter a lot too. I I still don't know what to think about Bagley. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Do you like Carter more than Sexton? That to me is like a total team need type of thing. Sure. You know, I, I think they would have like a relatively equal chance. I think Sexton's ceiling is definitely higher. I think Wendell Carter's floor is certainly higher. Like Wendell Carter to me is like a more athletic. He's like Al Jefferson's body, but he's a more athletic player, and he has three point range. Yeah, it seems I, like a, a nice combination to have entering the NBA. Oh man, who's I? I I there that duo that uh, Carter Bagley duo reminds me a lot of the Joe Kim Noah Al Horford sure. duo, just in terms of how unstoppable they can look at times against other college players Mm -hmm. because it's just like they're bigger than everyone and they're more skilled and they're more athletic and it's just a nightmare uh 
they're fun to watch. I don't know. Like Carter's three point shot to me. Uh, actually, I, I mean, I think he actually has some similarities to Al Horford, but like his three, his three point shot to me, uh, isn't one that like he needs a ton of space for yeah. it, which is fine. I mean, he's a stretch, so it's, it's, it's not like he needs to get it off in like a tight window necessarily, but I just, mm-hmm. I don't think his success is necessarily going to translate in that area, at least not in year one or year two, but yeah. I, I like him a lot. He's really climbed up my personal ranks in the past like month did I mean, he's a catch and shoot guy like he's not gonna run pick and pop right, like yeah. pull up brian anderson type of race yeah on that i mean it's gonna be but like you kick it out nobody around him you still want i mean yeah you still want him to be able to like get it off quickly though yeah. like i mean he's shooting 46 percent from three on the year did did uh jaron jackson do anything to to hurt his stock in your eyes uh he, he like didn't play enough minutes but that was not his fault i don't think no. he hurt himself at all I, no. I mean the thing with jackson was like he wasn't gonna go out and throw up a a 25 and 15 game you know like you might mm-hmm. expect out of Bagley or what we might see out of Bagley at some point in this tournament I was just hoping that he would get matched up I, I was I really wanted that Michigan State Duke game to right. happen just because I wanted him to have to be out there for like 30 minutes to guard one of those two guys and I felt like that would have been yeah. illuminating and we were denied that obviously yeah he was you know, he, when I was watching that Michigan State game, and like, unless you were really watching for Jaron Jackson, he wasn't—he wasn't stealing the show yeah, by any means. He wasn't out there very much. Cassius Winston, on the other hand, was more than happy to, to shoot as many times as I he think, liked. I honestly think Cassius Winston might be one of my guys. I kind of like. So? Uh, yeah, I like I the name Cassius. I like his look. He's got a good. Co- he's got a memorable college look, headband, like with the headband, yeah. just kind of. You know, I'm worried the headband is is going to phase its way out of the NBA. There are not a lot of headband <laughs> I'm players. Like looking forward to that. day. Melo is kind of carrying the torch. I hate that. I loved when LeBron wore it. I was he he got it knocked off in the playoffs one year. It was, and it just never came back. It was smart, smart he move by never, him. Never his stock is guy. his stock. It just really started to climb for mm-hmm. me after he ditched the headband. Okay. Speaking of players <laughs> whose stock is on the rise, Dwight Howard. <laughs> I don't even remember doing this last night. I was I must have been like in my sleep or half sleep. But I woke up this morning and I had a reminder on my phone going off that said, tell James about Dwight. <laughs> about so, that 30-30? Yeah. <laughs> even, I thought you texted me at I, I did. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I must have like subconsciously set this thing at like 3 in the morning just to like make sure that we talked about this again. 30 points or 32 points, excuse me. 30 rebounds. Only six turnovers. <laughs> only six turnovers. Dwight's back. <laughs> He's yeah. extremely back. And he got his, third rebound, or his 30th rebound with like one second on the clock. Which was perfect. Padding stats. He was he was laughing as he grabbed it in typical Dwight fashion. So maniacally. I mean, I'm only half kidding. <laughs> I've I feel a little bit vindicated because of how much I've defended Dwight uh, amid <laughs> amid myriad criticism over these last few years. Um, but thirty thirty games are extremely extremely difficult. This right. is only the second one since 1982. Yeah, I mean that that Nets front line is nothing to sneeze at. Oh you got God. Jared Allen. Oh my God. He got 26 minutes. Quincy AC got some time off the bench. Uh, I think Quincy AC was actually AC was the second uh, biggest guy they played in that game behind Allen. Don't try to belittle this. <laughs> it was basically Allen and then AC, Hollis Jefferson, and Carroll were their other three quote unquote bigs. So hey <laughs> okay so the last 30 30 game was kevin love in november of 2010 he's in that 30 that elusive 30 30 club <laughs> he did it <laughs> he did it against a knicks team that started amari at center Ooh. uh amari only played 28 minutes he had five fouls in that game then they brought in mozgov and the only other big guy Ooh. who played in that game was anthony randolph 
So is it more impressive to do it against Amari Mozgov Randolph or I think it's Allen AC more Hans impressive Jefferson? to do it against Mozgov Randolph Amari honestly that's back when Mozgov was actually in demand. I mean Mozgov's at least like a big body like the I mean, like outreach if you're Dwight Howard like and you only have to compete with like Quincy AC and Amari Carroll Carroll for rebounds like you should be getting all of them at that point Timothy Mozgov was only. Four years away from being traded for two first-round picks. Yeah, think about that. So, yeah, I mean, to really put things in perspective, <laughs> uh, I tweeted this last night, but no one other than Wilt Chamberlain has ever had more than two 30-30 games in their entire career, and I think only two guys have had uh, multiple. Wilt Chamberlain did it 44 times. Mm-hmm. So Dwight has a little bit of a ways to go. Um, he's still in the tail end of his prime. The first one's the hardest, though, right? right? That's, that's what they that's say what about Wilt the 30 yeah. and. Can Dwight get 44 more over the course of these next few years? Well, I don't want to bet against no. him. I know, I know a lot of people will. Nope. Um, other statistical notes from last <laughs> night. LeBron James, 17 assists, zero turnovers. Um, I, don't know, I don't want to talk about that specifically, but I do want to ask you, do you know who has the most assists in a game with no turnovers? It's not LeBron. Um... see so i think it would either have to be it would either have to be magic skiles stockton or nash or kid so i have a list in front of me of the all the players that have had at least 15 assists and zero turnovers in a game there's only nine times it's been done including lebron last night magic did it twice he had 15 and zero and he had 17 and zero but somebody had 19 was it, it wasn't one of those other four guys Chris Paul had a 16-0 game and a 15 I didn't game. name Chris Paul. Oh, who did you name? I Sorry. named uh, Scott Skiles, John Stockton, Steve nope. Nash. Nope, nope. Kid had a 16-0. I think you said kid. Yeah. This guy is still playing. Okay, okay. Um... The fact that he had 19 assists in the game is kind of the giveaway. <laughs> right. I... He just happened to not have any turnovers. Um. I'm really drawing a blank. Uh, <laughs> Rondo. Oh, okay, okay. Rondo. This is and this game okay. belongs in the hall. Like the box score from this game belongs in the Hall of Fame. Rondo. Rajon Rondo played 58 minutes in a loss. How dare you bring up Rondo on this pod? He had eight points, 19 assists, nine rebounds, zero turnovers, and was four of 17 from the field. Mm. What a game. Yeah. Um, by far the lowest game score of any of these by like 50%. What's the record for uh, most rebounds by a point guard with zero turnovers? Because I feel like DeJounte is coming for it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if basketball reference <laughs> allows you to look up the, that hallowed rebound to turnover ratio. <laughs> Those two are really intertwined. Um, okay. Last thing before we get to contracts, I just need your thoughts as, as kind of our resident Penny Hardaway guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Penny Hardaway. I watched a extremely awkward interview between him and Bob Lee okay. this morning. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was like the longest tape delay I've ever seen between uh-huh. interviewee and yeah, interviewer. Yeah. Um, so Bob Lee's, but not that Bob Lee's not a funny guy, but his sure. jokes uh, were not landing. They weren't landing. <laughs> they were not landing because of the pause. Right. Um, but Penny, I, I heard the other day he's already flipped like a three or four star recruit mm-hmm. from Wichita. He's got yep. two five stars that he thinks he can flip as well. That's a given. Um, 
What, I mean, what are your thoughts? This is a, a slam dunk hire, right? Well, it it really couldn't come at a better time for me personally because I'm I'm gonna probably have to put my Arizona Wildcat fandom on on hold for the foreseeable future just because they're not gonna be good <laughs> for uh, at least this upcoming year, probably for a while. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to jump aboard the uh, Memphis bandwagon. And I just really want the NCAA to, to figure this out so that Penny can can uh, legally do all the stuff that he's probably going to end up doing. Uh, I mean, could you have, like, I don't think any retired NBA player has a better connection to Nike than Penny other than MJ. Like, it's may, maybe Kobe. Like, it's, it's kind of Definitely in that, Kobe. like, Penny's, that Nike still releases Penny Hardaway shoes. Like it's still a thing. I think they still like sell Penny Hardaway shirts like from time to time on their website. Like he's very much in the Nike kind of inner circle of former athletes. So they're going to have all of those resources. Uh, he's super, super well connected in the uh, AAU circuit. And that's that's mostly what this hire is about, right? Is the connections, right? Well, right, but I mean, and that's, that's what a lot of hires are about. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, you got to get players, and he'll get players. I has there been any word about like who his assistants are going to be? I remember hearing he reached out to Larry Brown, but that would be kind of weird. See, the thing is, I think I mean Penny is. I think he's coached three state, uh, three straight state title winning teams at the high school level in the Memphis area. He's coached AAU, so he has all the connections there, but. He's never coached real high-level, extreme pressures of coaching in your hometown college basketball. So mm-hmm. I think the idea is you bring Penny in with his connections. He's the figurehead. You want a bench coach. You want someone telling him, like, ooh, we got to... Well, right. Yeah. He's he's the recruiter. He's the yeah. face of the program. Yeah. But then you need, like, actual coaches yeah. to do the coaching. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I don't think Penny. I don't think Penny's going to be uh, doing a Brad Stevens out there with the whiteboard. Uh <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is going to be a Kevin. I think it's basically just going to be like, can we get enough five stars for us to just roll the ball right, out and exactly. beat teams without running plays? All right, before we move on, uh, we need to talk to you about a couple of our sponsors, including the official sponsor of the podcast, DraftKings.com. We are offering a free six-month RotoWire subscription to new users of DraftKings. If you'd like to take advantage of that offer, all you have to do is create a DraftKings account. Make your first deposit of at least $10. That'll get you the free six-month Rotowire membership, all-inclusive, all DFS tools, season-long, everything. And then you'll also receive a free $3 ticket to a one-day fantasy sports contest deposited right into your DraftKings account. You can use that for a shot at winning big cash prizes. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Rotowire-2018 to sign up and claim your free subscription today. We are also brought to you by the Fan-Controlled Football League, the FCFL. If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The FCFL is bringing fantasy sports and Madden franchise mode to a real football field. You can scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays in real time, and even pick the team name and help design its logo. These are real teams with real athletes. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing a full season of fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production facility built for a digital audience if you'd like to learn more go to www.fcfl.io you make the decisions by fan vote and the voting power comes in the form of fan tokens you can earn fan tokens each time you vote and engage with the team the more tokens you acquire the more power you have 
To learn more about fan tokens, visit fantoken.network today. All right, let's get into contracts. Um, we each have made our separate lists uh, of the worst contracts in the NBA. I don't have mine in a particular order in terms of, you know, this contract is the worst, this is the third worst, things like that. I just divided them up into four different categories. There were more contenders uh, than I expected, and that's saying a lot because <coughs> I, I knew, you know, most NBA fans are aware of, you know, the big ones, the Mozgovs, the Deng, the Noahs, um, and those ones are obvious, and I have them under the Omer Ashik honorary completely indefensible contract category, but there's quite a few other ones that, you know, I think on the surface don't necessarily look all that bad, but when you put them in context, certainly do. Um there's one uh, there's one that you didn't include that is in my uh top it's in my top 10. For, okay, we'll start with that. What is it? John Wall. I thought about it. I had it in there and I took it off. I think that contract is going to age very very poorly. I mean, he he's already like now he's already fallen off. Like I I don't do you think we've seen the best of John Wall? Is the best John Wall behind us? I feel like it is. That's a really tough question. I, I, last year was the best John Wall, right? Yes. That's really not up for debate, I think. And he yeah. was—he started kind of slowly this year. The knee injury kind of seemed like maybe he had something to do with that. Now he's out. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I think. I think we'll at least see him match what he did last year. I'm not. I don't know if he's going to get like markedly better over the next four years. But I also don't think he's on this steady decline. You know, how, what is he, 25, 26? All I know is that 2019, 20, 2020, 21, 21, 22 run where he's getting basically $40 million a year is going to be borderline impossible to field a contender when he's making that much money because it, like, he's a unique player in the first place where you just – I would I would rather have Clay Thompson on a deal like that than John Wall because at least with Clay Thompson I can just put him in the Clay Thompson role guard play good defense shoot threes mm-hmm. whatever like with John Wall he needs the ball and you need to surround him with like this very specific type of role player but he's also he's never been good enough to be the best player on a title team and I think you could maybe argue that last year he was maybe good enough to be the second best player if the best player was like Kevin Durant and you had a yeah. bunch of really good role players behind you. But I just it's just so hard for me to see that being anything other than a deterrent to them being a winning team in those years. Right. And I just I would not have wanted to give him that deal. I know that he I know they probably felt like they had no choice, but you know, we saw the Bulls uh, move Jimmy Butler because they didn't want to give him that deal. We saw uh, the Kings move Marcus Cousins because they didn't want to give him that deal. I know the Pacers would have happily given Paul George that deal, but I would. I at no point did I ever think John Wall was a better long term investment than Paul right. George or even Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the point I was going to bring up is the intention of the supermax was to keep these guys around, but I almost think they set the total for the supermax too high to the point where. Unless you're LeBron or KD well, or Steph like, or Davis. See, I think it's at the perfect amount. I just think the Wizards made a miscalculation on this one. Because I think I think those guys, like Curry, on his Supermax, he's going to... I think he deserves every penny of that. 
as long as he's healthy. And I think that like LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, like those guys are all worth more than even the Supermax when they're healthy and in their prime. But I just don't think John Wall, even even last year's version of John Wall was like maybe a top twelve player right. in the league. And you just that's not who the Supermax is for. The Supermax is so you don't lose a superstar. Right, but I think I think the definition of superstar varies, and like you said, it put, it puts a team like Washington where like, I think you know if don't you down they know where John Wall stands in the NBA. But how do you publicly justify saying like nope, we're just gonna let him go? Like we, he's not worth this much money. Like it's just you, well, there's so much pressure I think to offer it to a guy like that. Should you ever? I mean, think about how amazing of a GM position that would be if all you know is you have Ubre, Porter, and Beal, and like you just have to fill in around those three, and like you you bring in one more star who complements those guys better. And I mean, should you should anyone ever get a supermax if they can't realistically be? The best player on a title team? No, they should definitely. I mean, in a vacuum, absolutely not. But I don't think that's how teams can't afford to think that way because how many guys out there can really be that guy? You know, four and three I of them, right? More, I'm more than four. Two I, of them play on the same team right now. I think that <clears throat> I know it was like a semi different era because it was almost 10 years ago, but like that Dirk Mavericks team, I mean, Dirk yeah. was probably, he was definitely a top 10 player in the league at the time maybe like a borderline top five player and the team was just kind of perfectly constructed around him like if you I don't think Dirk was a, close to a top five player at that point I mean yeah, he, I think not. he peaked I mean you could argue he peaked five years before he was definitely a top five offensive player at that point I think yeah I mean he was old though I mean what he's like 40 now that wasn't that long ago it had to have been like seven years ago yeah, I suppose and I'm, I'm just picturing Dirk in his prime in like 05 06 mm-hmm. you know like Dirk was at the absolute peak of his powers when they lost in the finals to the Heat. And then he ended up winning it, what, five years later? The point is not to debate Dirk's yeah, greatness by right, any means. Right. But I, I, do, I do agree with you overall that guys like John Wall create extremely difficult circumstances. And I think for the most part, Wall's the exception. When you talk about the guys you mentioned earlier – we've seen teams kind of shy away from that type of investment because when you're putting that much into one player, like you said, you you have to have the perfect cast around them and it just kind of it, it shrinks your room for error. Is it a hot take that I would rather have the Blake deal than the Wall deal? <laughs> I think so. I would. I would. I, I mean, they're, they're comparable, right? I think Wall's younger. Yeah, I just I think Blake's game is going to age better than Wall's game. Wall's game is just based so much on like speed and athleticism. I think Blake might have more injury concerns, but they both have injury concerns. Like Blake's a better shooter. Blake's a better. Uh, to me, he's like the type of guy that could possibly age better than people think he's going to age. I know that like a lot of his early career was based on athleticism, but uh, he's like a really smart player. I think he is is a pretty good decision maker. Uh, I just I don't see. Even if you want to say the Blake deal's worse, I don't. I just don't see it being worse by a lot. No, I think they're very comparable. I mean, in terms of money and in terms of the type of commitment. I mean, I there's there are a few players in the league where the supermax does become a bargain. 
like you mentioned, you know, like mm-hmm. the top five guys, you know, you could you could really can't put a, a specific dollar amount no. on what what kind of value they bring, and then you get into that next tier and you start giving Blake and Wall supermax, and you know, I mean, I don't know what Wall's exact value is, but it's not you know 170 million over three years. Um, okay, so we'll, I guess I'll go back to my my Omar Ashik division. Yeah. Just absolutely, completely indefensible contracts, uh, both at the time they were signed and. Most of these look worse now than they did back then. Uh, so Mozgov, of course, he has two years, $33 million remaining. That's all guaranteed. Luol Deng, two years, $37 million. Joachim Noah, two years, $38 million. Uh, none of those guys are even considerations when it comes to the rotation. Uh, Deng and Noah, like, I don't know if they've like played at all this year. Mozgov, every now and then, will pick up a few minutes. Would you say those are the three worst? Those right? are the three yeah. worst. Those three are... You know, I mean, they're bad from a pure money standpoint, but you're getting absolutely zero value out of those guys on the court. They're not even eating minutes for bad teams, you know, and they're all on teams that can't, you know, could be doing better with that money. So, yeah, I think we're in 100 percent agreement on those three being the three worst. I was surprised that, you know, you have Bayumbo, you have Tristan Thompson, Mahimni, Hill, Ashik, Felicio. Those are all, you know, obviously bad. Those guys all suck. Uh, but Biombo getting a player option. I I think I'd rather have the Biombo one than a couple guys from the overpaid role players. Like I okay. I, I think I'd rather have Biombo than Miles Plumley at 225 and I think I'd rather have Biombo than Myers Leonard at 222 cuz at least Biombo can be my rim protector off the bench. Like I don't want either the, I don't want Plumley or Leonard right. playing any minutes at all. The, well, the Biombo one to me, like he's on a bad team. He has not made an impact for them whatsoever. He's down to playing like 12 minutes a game. Like he's in danger of falling into the Mozgov zone. Sure. And and he's extra bad because you have that $17 million player option mm-hmm. and like obviously he's going to pick that Some, up. Sometimes guys uh Sometimes like guys that are kind of as good as Bayambo, uh, when he got that deal, they kind of just know like they're just like, Oh man, I got the I got this deal. This? Oh, now I can just right. stop trying, it's fine, I'll be out of the league in a couple yep. of years. Oh, this is nice. Exactly. And he's gonna make thirty four <laughs> million over the next two years alone. And he's I mean, in two seasons, he's gonna pick up the seventeen million dollar player option and play like eight minutes a game. And I don't. I mean, they're going to be in the same situation with that as the Lakers have been with, you know, with Dang and with Mozgov previously. Obviously, Orlando is not going to be like looking to clear space to sign LeBron or anything like that. But you know, I mean, I guess they're the type of team that maybe can afford to stomach a contract like this because they're mm-hmm. nowhere near contending anyway. But you, you, no team in the league wants to have that kind of money on the books. Uh, I do have, like you said, Tristan Thompson. That one was terrible at the time, and it's probably worse now than ever. Oh, yeah. He's been god-awful this season. His hands are still probably the worst I've ever seen in the <laughs> NBA. He He's really bad because he can't do the stuff that he would need to be able to do to be a good fit on that team, right. like mainly shooting and catching. Catching. And, like, is, he, is, he, is he a competent rim protector? See, the appeal with Tristan Thompson, I think his value peaked after the 2016 finals. Because, because not because yeah. he was a rim protector, but because he was so good at switching pick and roll. Right. And he could, you know, he was good at like trailing guards and getting some blocks and things like that. And then he just stopped doing that. Basically, because, because of injuries, he became 
in some of those games, the second best player on a title contending team, like just in just random stretches, and it just looked sure. like he. I mean, in 2015, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I think in but you, I mean, 2016. Okay. I'm saying when when they won the titles, when yeah. he and he was good that year. Like I'm not taking anything away. They paid for, they paid for like eight good games, mm-hmm. and paid and him because as if he was playing like that all the time, and because their GM told them to pay right. him. Uh, clutch Sports client Tristan Thompson. Total That's aside, key. I need um, to get on. Clutch That's just sport. a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a clutch guy. <laughs> Are you still Rock Nation? <laughs> um, I other the other Cavs contract on here is Jr. Money wise, it's not as bad as Tristan, but it's pretty close. I mean, he's locked in at fifteen mil next year and the year after, and I mean, he's he's not unplayable. He still has his nights, but he is a complete shell of himself. Not really the same type of unlimited range. I mean, he was kind of the Cavs' answer before they had Kyle Korver to like Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's nowhere near as good as Clay Thompson, but he was like the guy you could kick to, and two out of every seven games, he'll hit four or five threes, and that was pretty valuable. And I. This contract is, was probably worse at the time they signed it than Tristan's. Because JR had no leverage. He was, right. he was holding out. No other teams were really all that interested. And then the Cavs still managed to overpay in the end. Yeah. I'd, I'm usually on the the player side when it's like player versus like management. But it's when you just have zero leverage, like your market is what your market is. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not like um the the team's doing anything like evil or like right. nefarious like it's just go find us a team that wants to pay <laughs> exactly. you anything close to this and we'll match it right yeah it was a bizarre holdout because like you said he had no <laughs> leverage whatsoever and then i think what did the Cavs start out a little rough that you know last season and then they just felt like they needed to get jr back it's bizarre i don't think he worked out a ton after they won the title that was pretty <laughs> evident through about two-thirds of last season um and yeah obviously both of those deals have kind of handicapped what the Cavs have been able to do via trade and and obviously last offseason but for the most part I mean they've come out relatively okay despite being on the wrong end of the Kyrie deal being on the wrong end of these two um you know I guess all things considered when you have LeBron you can only sink so low the other four I have in my indefensible category Jan Mahimi two years 32 million he's not as bad as Bayumbo, but he's pretty close Solomon Hill, I'm sorry to pile on the cats, two years, 26 million. He just returned and made his debut after missing like 80 games uh, last week. Omer Ashik, he's making 11 mil next year and somehow has a $12 million player option for 2019 20. Is he he's even on someone's bench? Does he get to like hang out at home or like what? How's that work? I don't think anybody's like clamoring for him to be there. Yeah, like I think it's kind of up to him. I think that that's kind of cool. Like that's right. Deng's got that that deal as yeah, well. Just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't really feel like coming right. to to this road trip. I'll just kind of. This yeah. one feels like it's been going on forever. Like the yeah. Mozgov and Deng ones are relatively new. They're they're like the new school mm-hmm. old contracts. Like Ashik, I feel like this deal was signed in like 2008, and yet he still has two more years remaining. Yeah. And then to get the player option. Yeah. The player option. I I was this scrolling. This was a deal, right? Was this like his? Was this his first splash? I think so. <laughs> this, what? This was your long term front court. You got Davis. You got to shoot your shot. You get Oshik, and you're set. I, the player option is pretty dangerous. I was scrolling through these contracts, and 
like how many how many players currently with player options do you think would decline their player option i mean it's it's kind of the same discussion we had with wall we're like the really good players who have them always decline it because they're not because yeah. they're worth more lebron than the james is going to decline his yeah. player option especially as the cap was escalating it, it made no sense but pretty you know, much I, everyone like even that very even that like next level of like all-star almost kind of yeah. ha- you ha- kind of have to take that player option with today's like right. the lack of teams with that space exactly and just, well i'm looking at i have four other guys on my list with player options ken Bazemore has a 19.2 million dollar player option in two years is he going to get that annually i, I think mean, he'll pick it up the argument <laughs> yeah right the argument is maybe you decline it and you you can't get that same annual value, but you can you, get a four year deal at twelve mil, something like that. Some guys want that security, but like Mello, for example, he's on my list. He has a twenty eight okay. million good. dollar player option. Now this is good. Like we we should probably wrap up after this one, but uh, Mello is Mello is great because Mello. Uh, do you think that there? Maybe this conversation's already been had with his agent, but like. I feel like he probably just assumed he was going to opt out and and then take like a you know four for eighty that type of thing, and then his agent was just like, "Look, Carmelo, probably going to have to pick up that that player option because I probably can't get you that much even spread out." Hell no, <laughs> no way. I mean, what would what could Melo get on the open market? Like, it's not like nobody's going to sign like him. Like three but for fifteen. They're. For- <laughs> I'm serious. Annual or no, total? Th- three years, fifteen. To 15 that's like million. barely about. That's like the exception. <laughs> who the who the hell's giving him more than that? He's terrible. There might be a, like the thing is, if he wants to get a quote unquote big money contract, like the deal that Wade got in Chicago, it's going to be from a bad team, you like know? the like, Kings. What? Right. What that's the like thing. It's like three Mello. for thirty. Right. It's like okay, Mello, you can either you can either opt in in OKC, you can take you know a longer term deal from a really bad team and get into an even worse situation or you can take a massive pay cut to go to a good team i love carmelo because he he's he's bad but he's also still so delusional that he lols whenever right. like someone's like <laughs> so are you gonna be like coming off the bench or <laughs> just like yeah, yeah right <laughs> like i want to i want i want him to like laugh at his agent when mm-hmm. he's like so we're probably gonna have to accept that I'm like yeah yeah right yeah good one man. <laughs> i'm going i'm going for the max am i do i qualify for the super max <laughs> got a real prankster over here <laughs> uh, okay well so we don't have to get into all these but i'll just read off a few honorable mentions chandler parsons two years 49 million left on that deal yikes brandon knight two years 30 million nick batum and I, I love nick batum i love his game but three years 76 million after this year is a lot of money and that's charlotte has a couple of these ryan anderson two for 41 evan turner is obviously on here Bazemore's player option i mentioned uh tim hardaway has two more years at 17 and a half mil and then a 19 million dollar player option for what would that be 2021 uh iguodala good player but you still have two more years at you know over 15 million annually that's a lot Gorgie Jang's contract, $16 million for the next three years. That's a lot. Uh, and then we'll finish out with MKG, someone who I'm completely out on the more I think about it. <laughs> 13 mil next year, and then he has a $13 million player option for I think he'll be picking that up. I think so, too. He's a guy that otherwise would be like close to a minimum player. I, honestly, I mean, he's playing 22 minutes a night, basically, for a team that's not trying to lose. 
<laughs> like he's really, really fun. I don't mean yeah. to just like randomly pile on no, MKG, but I like he's just MKG. not a valuable player. Like M- MKG seems like a cool dude, right? Uh, I mean, I'd I'd like to think that maybe he can have kind of a Mbamute type of second act, if, but it's just you can never predict a guy that's that bad of a shooter to all of a sudden, yeah, be and a competent shooter. Has he been that good on D? Where it's been off? He was. Like I feel like he good, was like in his like second and third year in the league like has he, he hasn't then, made an all defense team has he you know well, like if you're gonna be no he's been but, hurt and that's been a big issue but if you're going to be that bad on offense you have you have to be a first or second team all defense you have to be year. andre roberson yeah. right exactly uh okay well do you have anything you want to plug baseball wise on the site nah It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com